Hey guys, I hope you're loving the Making Bank episodes. Please make sure you guys like and share these episodes as well as comment below for the guests. They love to come back and interact with you. And I really appreciate you watching and listening to Making Bank. So thank you. You are are listening to Making Bank, where we uncover the mindset and success strategies of the top 1% so you can amplify your life and your business. Welcome to Making Bank. I am Josh Felber, where we uncover the mindset and the success strategies of the top 1% so you can amplify your life and your business today. Excited for today's guest, Jason Katzenbach, Robert Kiyosaki, Justin Christensen, Chris Record, Billy Jean, Ian Stanley, Brendan Bouchard. Man, welcome to the show. Yeah, Thank you for coming baby. on, buddy. Known each other for a long time right. and just honored and so appreciative that you're able to come on here today you, and share your insights with our audience and uh, just help raise everybody to the next level. Okay, let's do it. <laughs> so um, just... Man, you just have such an in-depth background and just all the different things that you've accomplished throughout your life and everything. And I think just starting off initially, um, I want to talk a little bit about what goes through your mind, kind of what are your strategies mm-hmm. that have helped you excel over the last several years, growing um, you know, eight-figure-plus businesses, mm-hmm. connecting with hundreds of thousands of people all around the world. Yeah. Um, I guess let's kind of start there and then we can kind of like dive in deep in certain areas. Yeah, I think the number one thing, I, I love your show and I love listening to that, that mindset conversation. The number one thing is having that mindset of service. Okay, wow. Yeah. Period. There, there, there is nothing else. People say, well, you know, it's, it's this or it's hunger or it's motivation or it's all that. And those are super important. I teach those. Sure, right. But those unattached to service won't get you out of bed for 10 years it's going to take to break through. They won't get you out of bed when the day sucks, when the business fails, when the campaign didn't work, when you get fired. Right. Like, you have to have that thing of like, what do I want to give? What, like, what's the service I want to provide to my, mm. whether it's my customer or the world? So for some people, that service is, I want to make a difference. I want to change the world. Some sure. people, it's like, I just want to help people. So for some people, it's like, oh, I really, I'm passionate about giving them this tool or this product. Right. But if you are unclear about your service, that you want to give, that is explaining why you were lacking the self-discipline on Wednesday to keep going. Um, so working with all the different high performers you have, billionaires, I mean, you people for like Oprah and everybody. Yeah. What, um, so we got self-awareness, intention, um, serve, you know, service. What are some of the, like, let's say the top three piece, uh, congruent pieces you've found between all these that make them operate at such a high level that have got them, you know, from a mindset standpoint, got them to where they are and maintain where they are today. Yeah, I would say number one, uh, in, in addition to everything we talked about, especially sure. the service element. Right. Number one, ambition. Okay. They are hungry for more and most importantly, they have unlocked that mindset thing called permission. Mm-hmm. to strive for more that's beyond their circumstances or where they've ever been or what's possible. Sure. Their ambition is not tied to other people's permission. Okay. They've unlocked permission for themselves to go for big things and dream big things that are literally not possible right now. Right. Oprah's existence was not possible at every step of her career, but she allowed ambition for something more. There's a great book right now. Um, I'm going to mess up the uh, the name. It's, uh, it's uh, by Dor- Doris 
Goodwin, I believe it is, Kearns, okay. I think it is. Um, and she wrote a book on leadership about FDR, um, Teddy Roosevelt, okay. Lyndon Johnson, and Abraham Lincoln. And her finding was the greatest leaders of our time, her, th uh, her thesis, they had ambition that was uncommon mm. and resilience that was uncommon. Resilience, oh wow. Okay. That's the whole book. It's 400 pages. Read it, guys. But that's what. That's what it is. Um, but I've found that same thing true in coaching some of the most and training some of the most spectacular entertainers and performers of our time. Like people are like wowed by. They have an ambition that drives them that is unmoored to other people's permission or expectations or even their reality. Right. And that dreaming, other people call it vision. But like some people have vision, but they don't have the ambition. Right, there's two separate. You, there's think, a, there's yeah. a hunger there that is attached sure. to that. I would say that's one. Number two, competency. Okay. They get good at their craft, and they are intentional about getting it better. Like you, right? I'm going to be a better interviewer. I'm going to get better at interviewing. I'm going to get better. Like that intention to grow competency, because with competency comes confidence. Right. As you learn and are able to do more, you try more that has uncertainty because you know sure. you can master something. <laughs> And then you get more confidence. When you get a little more confidence, you'll try more things that you don't know how to do, right? which will give you more competency. So we call it the confidence competence loop in my high performance research, right? And then, so they got ambition, they got competency. competency. Third, community. Okay. They got a good tribe. They built a big tribe around them. They got a good tribe. And many of them did not certain. have it. Yes. And yeah. what most people say is, well, Brennan, my spouse doesn't support me. These people don't believe in me. They're making fun of me. And they, they stop. Right. And it's not like you have to get rid of everybody who's negative in your life. Instead, just go, okay, I need to build the community mm. that will make me support. feel positive and support me and give me the intel I need to succeed. Let's talk a little bit about some strategies, tactics, things like that. You sure. know, we, I'll kind of take my business selfishly here. <laughs> 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 so we, we, we were one of the original ones to launch uh, tooth powder. And so we were one of the first, that first products on the market. Um, we just went on Amazon. They kept calling us and calling us and calling us. Finally, we went on Amazon about three years ago, two and a half, three years ago. Didn't really do a whole lot. It started to go. Um, we ended up getting up to 1500 2000 $3,000, $4,000 a month. And it kind of sat there for a little while at that level. And then we finally started to dive into Amazon probably about 18 months ago, pretty hard and have ramped it up to right around that 120 to 150 K a month range. Um, we keep about, I guess, 60%, 55, 60% profit margin on everything, but we've been stuck there. <laughs> so everything we keep doing and all that, it kind of just kind of sticks in that range. So obviously with changes with Amazon over the last three to four months, you know, that have come through things like that. What, I guess, what are some initial things you could say, okay, cool. You know, here's what you guys could take a look at and do and, and everything to kind of move to that next level of stuff. Yeah. So, so, so the first thing I always tell people is you need to know your math and you know, it's not uncommon. So many people ask me, it's like, well, how do you compete with the big brands on Amazon? Kind of like you, you know, a lot of people just look at Amazon as like a platform like Facebook, just post on it, you know, and that's it. Um, the reality is Amazon's an ecosystem unto itself. And yeah, you could just post on Amazon. You know, this is a really cool fact about Amazon. About five years ago, when Eric Schmidt was still the CEO of Amazon, of Google, he said their biggest threat for search was Amazon. 
Um, and now they predict that over 50% of search is done on Amazon from a buyer's perspective. So instead of people going to Google anymore, now they go directly to Amazon. And I don't know about you. That's what I do. Like if I need a, a coffee cup, I won't go to Google. I'll go to Amazon, you know, that, that kind of thing. Um, so, so first of all, it's really making sure you know your numbers on Amazon, like making sure, you know, and that, that's probably one of the, 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 the worst things about Amazon, I'd say, is their analytics. Now, they are getting better and there's rumors of them actually having conversion tracking coming and everything. Um, when I see it, I'll believe it, but, but, you know, we'll just go with what it is. So that's why I recommend using tools, for example, like Manage by Stats. So that, that's something that will really allow you to use what Amazon has and be able to put it into workable numbers. Because if you don't know your math, you don't know your business. And the biggest thing is to, first of all, focus on getting your sessions up. Your, your, um, really, Amazon is all about velocity. Now, you know, it, they want to see activity and they want to see activity from multiple sources, too. So if all your traffic is just coming from one area, um, that, that'll do good. And if your conversion rate is good and everything, uh, but they do reward you. Now, everything I tell you, I need to make the disclaimer. I have like I am not part of uh, Amazon.com. This is just all information that I've gathered from my own data and insights and from my students. Um, but but it, it's really about getting that velocity of sales. And Amazon's going to reward you because they make more money. The better converting your product is, you know, obviously the better it's going to rank. So a, a lot of people, you know, they look at things and, and they're like, oh, I don't know how to make my product convert better. Well, first of all, you got to send traffic to it. You've got to be able to really do focused promotions. But the biggest thing, in my opinion right now, that is the biggest game changer for Amazon is making sure you have the profit margin to effectively use their advertising platform. Jason, I guess uh, one last thing you want to leave people with before we have to go. You know, one of my favorite quotes to say is, do the things today that others are afraid of so tomorrow you can do what others only dream of. Um, you know, fear is the biggest barrier to success. Always, you know, if you don't take those risks, you're never going to live that dream life. Uh, you know, you've got to take risks. You've got to believe that you can do it and just push through. So don't let fear run your day. Let fear be in the back. So, you know, use fear from a perspective of if this is scary, there must be a reason it's scary and the payoff must be awesome. So I guess that would be what I'd leave everyone with. Excellent. So somebody just kind of starting out that where would then the best places be for them to start building their assets, you know, the, the whole asset side and investing, investing and everything. Since, you know, obviously we're not investing in the EFTs and the stock market and places like that. Well, uh, I think you better step back. You know, I think one of the reasons people aren't successful is that they, you know, in school you start small and you get smaller. <laughs> <laughs> and my, I was a student of Dr. R. Buckminster Fuller, one of the greatest futurists of all time. He visited the geodesic dome and which was the U.S. Pavilion at Expo 67 in Montreal, Canada. He says, you want to, if you want to see, you better step back and look from the big picture. So I stepped back. And in the world of investing, you know, the big hot, everybody is all upset about shadow banking. You know what I mean? Give me a break. You know, if you're in e-stocks, bonds, mutual funds, and ETFs, you're in traditional banking. Right. The rich are in shadow banking. And so I'm a shadow, I'm always in, which I'm in shadow banking, which means I don't play by the same rules the guys at Wall Street play by. So I can kick their butts up one side and down the other all day long. Now, those same guys are ripping off a lot of people 
which is why you know you got to be smarter to play that game. So I'm in private equity and pri and you know PE and private credit. I don't I don't buy stocks, bonds, mutual funds, and ETFs. That's not my game. So one of the things I suggest to people is to young people is you better step back and look at what game you want to play because as my rich dad said, there's a million ways you can go to heaven. There's also a billion ways you can go to hell, you know? And so what happens for most entrepreneurs is they wind up in hell because it's a hard road. It's really, really a tough road. And then the more successful you get, the more tempted you get, you know, lead us not into temptation. I'm not really religious, but you know, this guy, Jeffrey Epstein, he had a good time. You know, he was that hedge fund guy that had all the young chicks. And I, I thought it was funny that he committed suicide. My friends who are doctors say that wasn't suicide. You know, he was taken out. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because he was playing with the wrong, like the Clintons and all that. Sure. So one of the biggest things I recommend to young people is be legal, ethical, and moral. Because the more successful you get, the, the stronger the dark side gets. You know what I mean? And so the dark side is what you got to watch out for because that's the dark side comes out either when you're unsuccessful or you are successful. You know, when when I was way down, I'd lost a lot of money. It would have been easy to go dark. And then when I made a lot of money, I definitely went dark. <laughs> I so tempted, man. You, know, you believe your own bullshit. You know, you know oh, I am such a stud. So it's just, you know, the, the game is played between your two ears. That's, that's the game. Uh, my boys are nine and my daughter's 11. So they're like, all right, cool. How can we start creating our own assets now today? Good. That's, that's a good question. The reason games are important is physical learning is the most important learning. In other words, you can't play golf if you don't pick up a golf club and make some mistakes. Right. And in school, if you make mistakes, they punish you. Mm -hmm. And that's why most school teachers, their favorite word is tenure. They want job security. Right. You know, most of my friends who's, who are parents and they were teachers, tenure is the most important word. That means you can't fire me. That's all they give a you-know-what about. Right. Oh, yeah. yeah. So they're a different human being. So when, you, when I told my family I was going to be an entrepreneur, holy moly, <laughs> are you nuts? You know, you want tenure. You want job security. So it's a different being. So the reason games are important is I learned most about financial education just playing Monopoly, you know, four greenhouses, 1031 Red Hotel. So today I have about 7,000 rental units, five hotels, oil wells, and all this. I just create assets. But my biggest assets, number one, is I have a, I have a company called Rich Dad, and Rich Dad has become an international brand. So I, I, the other asset I have is I have a license called Rich Dad. So people pay me millions of dollars to license my brand. So I'm not working. I just license out my brand. So those right. are assets. And then every time I write a book, it might take me about a year to write a book or two years sometimes. Fake took me a long time. I just sell the license. And they send me checks for a year. So, you know, my biggest number one income source for the Rich Dad Company are book sales and game sales. So the game is a license also. So I produce it once and I sell the license to other manufacturers. Right. So that's how the rich get richer. They don't get rich by working hard and being smart. 
What are some of the top kind of initial things when you first go to their site and start doing the split test and everything? You're like that always, always pop out that you're just like, I know um, this is this and this. Yeah. Some of the biggest things that we see first are, I guess it's the purpose of the site is to get them engaged and find what they want quicker. So the faster we can get them looking for products. And I see a lot of companies really overlooking their homepage aspect in the e-commerce environment. And I even get companies saying, oh, we don't even drive traffic to our homepage. It's like, well, it's the second or third or fourth most traffic page on your site. And they just completely overlook it. And as soon as we tweak that and kind of make it more product focused, because it's a glorified landing page, it isn't all about like one specific product that's given them the description and giving them the price breakdown. It's more about here's who we are as a brand. Here's what we stand for. And here's why we have these amazing products and building that trust and credibility there, I think is a big driver for a lot of companies if they focus on it. And I mean, we've even got a company right now that they were driving everything to a product page. And I just told them, I said, switch your traffic to the homepage. And he literally did. And they went from like a four X return on ad spend to a six and a half X. Wow. All because they just switched. It was the same ad, same creative because the homepage I mean, it's high ticket items, so average tickets like $1,200, but it gave a better, bigger overall picture of what the product was, and it got to explain it a lot easier than sending them to, say, a specific product page and, hey, buy my stuff. Um, so it was it makes it a little bit easier. Uh, and, you know, just looking for those trends. So when we look at a site, we're just looking for where the visitors are at, where they're falling off and where they're going on the site and what friction could potentially be getting them from, you know, going there. Um, you know, client had a, he clicked the add to cart button and had a pop-up and then he had to click the pop-up to, you know, go to the cart drawer and then the cart drawer took you to the cart. And then it was like, you know, seven steps in the process and it was a ton of friction. So we just put ourselves in the, in the, shoes of the visitor like what does it look like for that user journey and then we try to back it up with some data so when you were kind of talking about the home page just revisiting that for a minute what i mean what do you feel that you've found from a experience works the best i mean is it more the mission and the story and kind of that on the home page or is it more you know a little bit of who we are but then product focus, you know, I guess, what are you guys really finding that works the best? Usually the the combo that I like to see as a very short, small um, hero that allows some of the stuff to come up above the fold, a very unique benefit-driven headline. So here's what we are, here's who we stand for, very quick and to the point, big call to action. Below that, I'd like to see either some social proof or some products. So listing out four to eight of the products, you know, usually best sellers, and then you can get into more of your journey and your visitor. But the whole purpose is to, here's who we are, here's what we do, here's what to do next and how to get to know us. And we move into that um, and get them engaged in the shopping experience. And that's really what we're trying to do is get that micro commitment into the next step in the process. And that's finding some of the products that they came there for in the first place. What are some of the, like, I guess, red flags that cause people then to drop off of that and you know because i know just looking at um, bounce rates and different things like that you know um on our homepage and you know, every, everything um i guess what is that number you're looking for to stay below uh, when people are hitting that and then what are some things i guess red flags that you on the homepage that are causing people to maybe not stay there or have a hard journey 
I mean, as we know, uh, page load <laughs> is, is one thing that we've always looked for. But for the most part, what we're looking for in terms of bounce rate is usually sub 60% on a homepage. It really depends on the brand, though. I mean, we'll see some down in that 10 to 15% range, which is kind of rare. But most, as a general whole, I like to see anything under 50%. That means we've got good engagement. It means people are at least taking one more step okay. in that process as a whole. But um, some of the red flags that I look for there are a lot of about us type scenario where it's like, hey, look at me, look at me, look at me, look at how great we are as a company versus look at all of these benefits of our products. Okay. That's probably of all of the sites I've ever looked at, which is now thousands of them, nobody screams benefits as much is they're all about, hey, look at our features. Right. And not about the benefit or the outcome that you're going to get. You know, an example is, you know, the tooth powder is, you know, you have all the benefits. It's fluoride free. It's got the polishing and the, you know, the, the whitening and all of the things that are aspects that you look for and you focus on those things. It's like, here's, you know, all of the things that our product will do, not so much that here's all the features that our product has. And that's glaring that majority of companies out there are just like, Hey, look at me, look at me instead of painting that story and telling that story and, and telling exactly what we are as a company and why we have the product the way we do and what they're going to get out of using it. Obviously a lot of the traffic is mobile these days. Mm -hmm. <laughs> at least on ours. <laughs> yeah. I think it's like 66% or 67%. I had one the other day that was 94. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. Videos, raps, and you know now you wrote out Lifepreneur. Yep. And so maybe give us a quick overview of what is Lifepreneur and what's that mean to you? Absolutely, so Lifepreneur is like the word entrepreneur. We're actually redefining that word. See, for me, the definition of entrepreneur is all about the, the hustle, the grind, the self-employment, even being like a solopreneur. But it's all about working hard and working for yourself, which is good. But for the last several years, I've worked so hard, 100-hour weeks even, right. sometimes long time away from family, traveling and everything, that I was sacrificing things that I really wanted to do in life in order to make more money and have a successful business. Well, I'm not saying entrepreneurship is bad. I'm just saying that before you know it, you're trading away so much time for money that you're never really enjoying life. And so that's why I wanted to redefine the word and call it lifepreneur. So lifepreneur is all about, instead of just being a hardworking entrepreneur, it's about being a balanced entrepreneur, okay. right? Focusing on really, uh, like what we do is these four things. One is we wanna take you and give you the best version of yourself, help you okay. become the best you, level sure. up your right. own self. That starts with the inner game. Mm -hmm. So we want people to focus on personal development, mindset, train what's inside, because whatever you do inside is gonna come out. So develop your inner game. And then also your physical game, like get uh, in the yeah. best fitness of your life, get in the best health of your life, just be the best version of you possible. Become like a warrior, right? And so that's investing time into yourself. Right. But we also want you to make money and invest money into yourself. Because this is the other analogy that really always stuck with me, which is, you can't help somebody out of a ditch if you're in the ditch with them. Right. If you get yourself out of the ditch, then you can reach back and you can help them out. Or another example that's more real for me is like welfare. Growing up with my mom on welfare, if I'm on welfare, I can't help other people off of welfare. But if sure. I can successfully get off of welfare myself and find a solution, then I can start bringing everybody with me. So it's all what you don't realize is that you've got to be selfish in order to be selfless. 
right? right. You've got to help yeah. yourself out. If you're struggling with debt, if you're struggling with secret pain, your life might look good on social media, but if you're actually struggling behind <laughs> right. the scenes, you're never going to make much of an impact. But if you take care of yourself, get debt free, make sure your stuff's paid for. And where people get confused is they think that buying something nice for yourself is bad. It's not. I want people to have such an abundant relationship around money sure. where there's always enough money around that they just don't think about it that way. They don't think about whether or not this is a good purchase. Should I get this on the menu or this, yeah. which is more affordable? Should I go to Walmart or should I go to Nordstrom? Those decisions shouldn't make a difference in your life. Right. You should have such an abundant mindset around money that you, you create so much wealth around you that there's plenty to go around. There's sure. enough money for you, for your family, for your friends, for your peers, for charities and everything. So it's about really getting to an abundance about personal development and inner game and also wealth creation. Okay. And then what I do in Lifepreneur is I teach them how to make money and how to automate it so that they can create passive income so that they can actually have time, true time to do the things that they wanna do. And I built this out of like kind of a, not a regret, because that's a strong word, but as I look back in hindsight, the one thing I would have done differently right. is I would have automated more things and created more time freedom for myself. Mm. Because at the end of the day, you right. can make money and lose money, but you can make it again. Sure. But when you lose time, you can't get it back. That's right. And so people right now are trading time for money. They're trading 40 hours a week or become an entrepreneur. Now they're trading 60 or 80 hours a <laughs> double week. Almost, double almost, yeah. <laughs> They're trading that time for money. When everybody should sit down for a second and say, here we are, it's 2018. How can I trade money for time? Time yeah, is the more valuable asset. So we got a lot of people, and I know they're probably thinking, okay, how, you know, he's talking about automation, you know, how, what's maybe some simple steps that we can utilize to automate some basic things? Yeah, so yeah, let's get into some details. Obviously, we don't have, you know, PowerPoint presentations right, or yeah. computer stuff. Uh, an example would be this. An example would be, if you have something to sell, let's say you have something that you sell, whether it's uh, maybe you're selling consulting, maybe okay. you're a consultant, or maybe you're a coach, or maybe you have um, a course online that you're selling, or maybe you're a real estate agent or a loan officer, whatever, whatever it is, if you have something that people could buy from you, what I would say is the first thing you wanna look at is what's called an automated sales funnel. What you'd wanna do is you'd wanna go online and you wanna wanna build out a sales funnel that takes people on a journey to eventually end okay. up inquiring about your products or services and then figuring out how can you set it up once and get leads for months. Right, set it up gotcha. once and continue to get results okay. for months. That is the biggest thing. What, what I watch people do is they work so hard, grinding, 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 to try to stir up business, right. try to get leads, try to get traffic, try to get sales, try to get follow up, follow up, and they're, they're so busy all the time, answering their phone, answering two phones, three phones now, and instead, what if you just set up a funnel online, right. and you use like Facebook or Instagram ads to be able to drive traffic to it, they come in, they go onto an email list, from that email list, you write like, 10 or 15 emails that go out automatically. So if you subscribe today, on day one, you're gonna receive this email. Day two, this one, day, day three, this one. And if my grandma subscribes next week, she's gonna receive the same exact emails as you, mm -hmm. just okay. a week later. Sure. So you, you create one, so if somebody goes in your funnel, they subscribe, they start getting automated emails that go out to them every single day, and then the next step they go is they maybe watch a sales presentation from you. And you don't even have to sell them something on this, but they watch a sales presentation. It's auto, it's like an auto webinar sure. or a replay video. And now you've done the video once, but it's gonna to continue to be seen by thousands and tens of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of people. Rather than you hustling and grinding, you do the work once and then continue to run people through it. Now they watch this webinar presentation. Now maybe there's a, some, a form they could fill out to, to contact right. you to start doing business with you. They fill out that form. Now you don't have to be the one to contact them back. You get somebody else to contact them back and somebody okay. else to do the sales sure. and somebody else to sell. So what happens is you end up with a funnel you end up with a traffic source that can be automated and you can use an agency or whoever to run the traffic 
and they end up going through your funnel, becoming a subscriber, getting on your email list, becoming a buyer, uh, buying a certain small product or whatever, and then they get access to you, but the access to you doesn't have to be live. The access to you could be, okay, you know, sure. maybe I can create a digital course. I can create 10 videos teaching people how to make your own, you know, video podcast or how to make your own show or how to be the expert of your own business right. or how to be able to create authority or influence or fame. So someone like you, I could take something like this and say, if you created a course with like 10 videos, put it in a membership area and built an automated funnel to lead people to it, you can make an extra million dollars a year just on the side of this business, just from that automated sales funnel. And the best part is, this business requires your time, that business doesn't. Right. You, yeah. you do that business once and you get paid for months or years. Well, let's dive in, um, kind of take us, maybe set the stage for us, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then let's kind of work so into that stage, first piece. stage be set. Um, you know, a big part of earning income, which is, I know why a lot of you guys watch this, because he gives you great tips on how to do so, but a big part of earning income is about trends. Um, you hear guys like Ty talk about this a lot, but being in the, in the right place at the right time does make money, not guaranteed, but it sure makes it a lot easier. So let me tell you, when I started doing Facebook newsfeed ads, I literally saw them release them. Meaning, when I started in Facebook ads, you can only advertise on the right column. Right. So I saw, like, when it was available, we were the first people to do it. Mm -hmm. We crushed it for years. Um, video ads. Right. It, I saw them enable the feature. Crushed it. Now everybody's coming in with sponsored newsfeed ads. Y'all, you're late. Now again, relative to the opportunity in regards to servicing businesses, you're still wide open, it's wide open, like no one in the world knows this. But if you want the easy part, the training part, go where everybody else isn't. So I always say like, when the, when the market zigs, what should you do? Zag, yeah. everybody's on Facebook, why are we on YouTube? Because we zag, simple, right. and it's effective. Again, guys, if you aren't getting the results you want in your ads, you're just not creative. And you keep investing into all this stupid stuff that's all, tactic-based, but you're not spending any time becoming more entertaining or creative. Like, one of the dopest things that I think an entrepreneur could do today is take an acting class. Uh, no one would ever say right. that, no one would ever think about that. But it's not that you need to be an actor, but to learn how to be comfortable on camera. Sure. It helps you, it's on. it's got me on this interview right now. Right. Right, like, yeah. it's gotten, like, that's, that's the game. So it just shifted. Uh, and also, too, corporations are gonna drown because they don't realize that everything is social right now, meaning everything is personable, right. and social is interaction between For two sure. human beings. Yeah. I'm sorry, people don't want to interact with your logo. That's why you see major insurance companies creating characters like Flo from Progressive. Right. It's a person that now you can connect with and buy stuff from. Geico is a person that looks like a lizard, right? right? Like they're, cre they're creating yeah. characters, right? And this stuff isn't new, but you're seeing it on social now. And what happens is, if these corporations keep trying to get away with these like cheesy logos, people hate marketers right now. People hate entrepreneurs. People hate being sold. So when you come with this corny like traditional way that was played out, like it's not you. You're gonna lose. Every industry is being disrupted right now, and you're still doing the same stuff. Technology is changing so fast. Like that's the other thing. Right. Not to switch gears, but I'm really mad at uh, uh, the the American education system right now sure. because they're preparing people to fail. They're teaching people things that are so outdated and they can't apply, but they're doing it at a price that keeps them in debt for 30 years plus. And nobody's talking about right. it. Right, no, I agree. Like people are like, cel like celebrating it. People feel accomplished because they, they, you know what people love to say? When you say, hey man, what's been up? What have you been up to lately? They're like, I'm in school. 
Okay, but like, what, what's been good? Like, what do you mean? I'm in school. I'm in med school. Like, just got kind of da da da. Like, med school is different. That was a bad example. But right, like, like I'm in. I, I'm getting my master's in business right now. I, fuck. I, what the hell does that even mean? Right. It, it's not nothing even anymore. Like, and so that's the thing is like, it's like more of a, an anchor that people use to feel good about not taking the action that they really want to do. So I've seen a lot sure. of people who contemplate: should I start my business or should I go back to school? That's fear. You know what you should do. Sorry if I keep it too real for No, no. <laughs> well, I mean, that's you what know. we homeschool our kids. And we even brought them to your event last year. Yeah, like, exactly. like, they were like, hey, we want to start learning about Facebook marketing. I'm like, Billy's doing an event. Let's it's, go to San Diego. And, and that's what's so <laughs> cool. And that's like, I'm excited for that. I got a two-year-old daughter. Right. I'm excited to bring her into the world. And, like, they're going to see her like, oh, is that that four-year-old who's always at TNC <laughs> with the little curly hair? Yeah, that's her. She out there. Yeah, no, mm-hmm. for sure. And, I mean, I totally agree with you. Um, So we got a few minutes left. Um, Where do you think, you know, I guess – in your opinion, I guess, where's video headed and how we can kind of like stay on that cutting edge? Yes, it's, it's, it's headed to a place of normality. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> in, other, in other words, uh, remember there was a time when people said, hey, do I really need this website thing? Right. Do I really need that? Hey, hey, do I really need this Facebook page thing? Yeah. Yeah, I know, but do I really need to do the video? Do I really got to be in the video? Yeah. How do I really got to show my... <laughs> You know the answer. You just don't want to do the work, so you look for answers. That's how people get sucked into shiny object syndrome because they know the truth, but you don't want to accept it because that means you have to do something about it. So you know that you should be doing video, but now you'll spend the next three weeks looking for someone who's really killing it still with images just to buy from them so you don't have to learn the thing that you know you have to do. You create your own reality. Facebook has made that bigger than ever. Everything that you like on Facebook, everything that you click, Facebook just shows you more of it. So right. you think your worldview is a worldview. It's your view expanding, which is so dangerous because if your view is full of ignorance or hate, you will just become an, uh, 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 an uh, exponential version of that self. Right. You see sure. what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Definitely. So. Well, cool. Tell us a little about your entrepreneurship starting out. You started out like I did. You know, I was 14. Um, I had a couple little smaller other businesses, but my real one was my 14-year-old business starting a computer company. So I'm super excited to hear about stringing tennis rackets and gut in your entrepreneurial journey. Yeah, I mean, well, something that I've noticed is a lot of entrepreneurs tend to have had some sort of little thing uh, – at some point as kids, whether it was, you know, like slinging candy bars that they would buy at a grocery store and then they'd sell them at school. I feel like those kids were like the real hustlers, the ones who were willing to just buy something for a lower price and then exploit the weakness of children at like lunch. Those kids really, they're they're very rich. Uh, Whereas, you know, the ones that I think the more normal business is just quite rich. Uh, But... Yeah, well, I mean, technically, I started out, you know, with lemonade stands. That's, you know, the original sort of the OG business model. Oh, yeah. But I do things a little differently with my lemonade stands. It's been really interesting because as I've looked back, like I was just telling you, I just finished writing this book. And the book is actually like looking back at my first sales that I ever made. You know, I really started when I was like three years old. And my mom always tells the story. She's like, you know, Ian, go clean your room and I'll give you candy. And I was like, no, no, no. You give me candy and then I'll clean my room. And she's like, oh, shit, this kid's going to be difficult. And so then I looked and then it's like I had lemonade stands. and But we would sell all sorts of other stuff. So we would sell 
cookies and we would sell golf balls and we'd basically go to the golf course and I would just collect balls out of the, you know, out of the water in the bushes. And then we would resell them back to the people on the golf course. So I was really just selling them balls they had already paid for. Right. Uh, but we would set up on the actual lemonade or on the, on the, uh, on the golf course, right at the edge of the golf course in the street. And so I looked back and I realized I'm like, man, I learned how to like get my average order value up because most kids are charging, you know, 10 cents, 20 cents for lemonade. I was like, no, 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 I'm charging a buck. And then, you know, there's, you know, discounts if you buy in volume. And I like look back, I'm like, well, I really like had this sort of dialed in. And I remember we ended up, we made like the average hole for a kid was like, you know, 10 to 15 bucks. We made $63 and it was like, whoa, okay, we're, you know, we're big balling. And so, uh, you know, you look back and you actually learn a lot. Those things shape a lot of how we end up because they're these sort of defining experiences as kids. We're not consciously aware of it. Um, then I started stringing tennis rackets when I was 12. We had a, uh, we had business cards made and I remember they said, stringing by Ian. And I think it was supposed to rhyme, right. which it doesn't. So it was like, it's terrible. It just said stringing by Ian, you know, no G on the end as if it was going to rhyme and it, and it didn't. And so, uh, I would string tennis rackets though, for basically people at the, I played tennis since I was three years old. And so at the country clubs and stuff, like I would string people's rackets. My parents would get me business and I'd charge 25 bucks a racket and my parents would pay for the string. Then I was supposed to pay them back for the string and I just never did. I also was supposed to pay them back for the stringer and I never did. And, you know, so I learned my lessons of, you know, really, getting those cheap cost of goods without just let your parents exploit your parents. Um, but so I was making 25 bucks a racket, it took like 30 minutes a racket. So I was making, when I was like 12 years old, I, I could make 50 bucks in an hour. It's not like I was, you know, working 40 hour weeks and take home a hundred grand, but you know, I was a few hundred dollars a week, which at that time was an insane amount of money. Um, and so that was interesting for me to look back on too, because it sort of shaped this idea for me that time and money are not related. And that's something that we're conditioned to believe, you know, for our entire lives, basically, is the first time you get paid, you get paid hourly. And then as you get older, people pay you yearly, which is still a function of time connected to money. And so it's weird to realize that at 12, I'd had this experience that, oh, time and money aren't related. I got good at this thing that, you know, most adults were charging, you know, 15 bucks for a racket. And I was already charging more than that. And you know, figured that, oh, well, if I just get good at something, I can actually make a lot more. My friends are mowing lawns, for, you know, five bucks. And, and so that was, yeah, that was the original venture. And then, I mean, I don't know how far you want to go or what you want to hear. I got, I got plenty of stories. <laughs> You're like, I'm, I'm backstopped with stories. <laughs> yeah, that's all the way back to age. We're only at age 12 that's, now. So That's awesome. I am Josh Felber. You are watching Making Bank. Get out and be extraordinary. Thank you for listening to Making Bank. If you have enjoyed this episode, please leave a review and sharing is caring. Follow Josh Felber on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram for more. You can also listen to Making Bank on Amazon Alexa, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and watch on Apple TV, Success Thinkers Network, Amazon Fire, and YouTube.